You know, I got a I, I got a story I wanted to tell you guys. Oh yeah? I'm all ears. Yeah, yeah. Um did you hear about the time I overdosed on Viagra? <laughs> Gosh. No. Uh, it was the hardest day hardest day of my life, man. <laughs> oh all right. And we just, here we go. We just left half hour out it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Now there's, so, all, now there's only six people listening. Now there's only six <laughs> people left. Yeah. Welcome to the Never Going Pro podcast by Dads Inside Riding Trainers featuring GC Coaching. It's a podcast about riding bikes and parenthood and trying really, really hard at both. I am your host, Ken the Badger Nowell, and with me is Shane Gaffney, owner of GC Coaching, and Chris Gorney. Yep. Fellow team dirt mate, passionate cyclist, and all around outstanding dad. So, how's everybody doing this week? Doing well, man. Doing well. How about you? Good. Going going through uh, Tour de France withdrawal. What an exciting year it was to watch the tour. For sure. That mudslide was insane. The last yes. uh, on the penultimate <laughs> the act, climb the, on the penultimate stage. The act of God clause and the contracts. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Not sure it really would have changed the outcome much, um, but still it made for some good dramatic yeah. uh, television and some good, you know, some good deba- debates among my cycling friends. And the French don't win again, unfortunately. Hey, man, yeah, the, French know, have man. Not, the French have not won in my lifetime. Yeah, it's been 30, 33 years. You're a youngin'. I know. It's, I mean, it's close. It's barely, but like they have not. And, and now I'm kind of rooting for that. I like, I want to, I want to see how long they go without, without winning now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> pretty good at putting the race on. You think they could win it every now and again? I'm from the Boston area. So I went through the Red Sox not winning the World Series for however many years that was. And so we'll curse see if they the, can maybe match or beat them. That's right. right. Curse of the Bambino. Yeah, exactly right. This is the yep. curse of the. I don't know. Philippe or something. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, man. We're, we're, we're all idiots. <laughs> Chris, you were telling us that you went to Bentonville, Arkansas to go mountain biking. Yep. Rode uh, with some people from my office there. We have a little satellite office in Bentonville. And um, a, one of the guys was riding a hardtail and uh, crashed on his way to the trails and just got terrible road rash down his arm and oh, his no. leg. and ironically rode the trails wonderfully and just tore it up but tore himself up on a turn on a sidewalk <laughs> um, he looked like he oh, looked man. like he power slid into home with his bike he just like hopped right back up and <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway so for those of you in our in our listening audience bittenville Ar- arkansas has become a mecca for mountain biking the walton family the um the walmart people um, they've put like what eighty million dollars into the trails down there. Something silly, yeah, something ridiculous like that, and it has become pretty incredible. Uh, one of the guys I rode with said that Slaughter Pen is trash, and you should ride the new trails at Kohler. Okay, so, well, so you've all, just, you've all just, heard it. That just that well, it's not my <laughs> opinion. I'll, na- I'll 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 blame. I'm going to leave his name out of it, but it was not me. So anyway. Well, I'm glad you got some trail time in. It's so fun. Uh, so, yeah, that's good. That's a good deal. So, um, couple couple things that we've got going on this week. We've got a dad interview with one of our teammates. Um, uh, his name is Graham Partain. He lives down in Florida, and he's a guy I've met online. As a matter of fact, what he did is he gave me a PC to set up in my shed 
a very nice gift from him. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to, we're going to put him on here in a few minutes and listen to, uh, what he, uh, what he gets out of training inside with a, with a big group of like-minded people. And so, um, I hope you enjoy that. Uh, we also have our focus question for the week. Um, Shane, would you like to introduce our focus question? Sure. Let me just find it quickly. Oh, there it is. So the focus question is, I've just gotten an upgrade and gone from near top of one cat to near bottom of the next. How can I get competitive again quickly? Competitive again quickly. So you can't, but I'll explain why. Please, you can't get competitive <laughs> no, again quickly. I, 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 reject, I reject your answer immediately. Podcast done. <laughs> More donuts for Chris Gorney. That's what you need. Dude, I had some amazing ice cream last night that replaced. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a conundrum and uh and for one a, a lot of us feel ourselves tickling up against the edge of the next cat up and it just feels like we will get lost in the um lost in the bottom of the next uh, of the next rung and uh and i went through that you know when i started racing uh c and i started winning some races and i got um categorized up and and uh zwift uh power and i just here i am i'm at the bottom of b and i suck all over again yep and we should define categories for zwift too before we go further so there's a through d so d is 1 to 2.4 watts per kilo c is 2.5 to 3.1 b is 3.2 to 4 and then a is 4 to 5 and there's also an a plus category on zwift power which i believe is i did not know that five plus it's either 4.5 or five plus i can't remember i think it might be yeah. 4.5 and above i don't remember but yeah okay, you're so right yeah. we need to all can we need to all confess what grouping we are in so people can know that and judge us about it and then look us up later and see if we're lying okay uh you go ken, first ken, you first ken, oh, come you? on man yeah. i mean <laughs> i will if you will <laughs> this is it's going okay. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't I'm, know I'm, if I can I'm, tell you. I'm upper B. I can tell towards, you. I'm upper B towards the lower of A. Okay, that's where I'm at. I am the same. I am upper B towards low A. Um, yeah. Previous A. Previous A plus though. No yeah. kidding. You made it all the way up there. I did. I did. But baby, then I had a kid. Yeah, baby knocked you back a couple <laughs> categories. Think you're a dirty, dirty liar. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Starting to race in the upper level of the B as well. Um, haven't quite made that consistent 4.0 watts per kilogram. I have a friend who I have a friend who was racing, um, Mr. Dustin Elliott out of Philadelphia to give him a little shout out, shout out and shout out both of them. It's been a long day. Mm -hmm. uh, a little shout out. He uh, is the guy I've had in mind as we've been talking about this topic for the last week. Because I, um, that was probably about six months ago, he went from B and got into A and started just like racing against a whole other class of guys. And it was just, I mean, he was kind of, he was kind of demoralized because he was winning races all over the place. And then all of a sudden was, we're rolling with these guys who are putting out, you know, 4.8 watts a kilo for an entire race. He's just gassed. Yep. So he it was, it was pretty frustrating. He actually kind of worked himself into a uh, hamstring injury. No kidding. Ooh, that's not good. Mm. Yeah. So his legs just fell straight off. Wow. Just yeah, that's one of what happened to Dustin. <laughs> 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 uh, 
You have a you have you only have a span of six watt per kilo in C, eight watt per kilo in B, and then a whole watt sorry, actually point six watt per kilo in C, point eight in B, and then you have a full watt per kilo in A. And you know, that four to five is, you know, a humongous difference in talent and ability versus three point two to four isn't that much difference, but four to five is like, you know, going from a cat three to a cat one. So that's a different category too. So maybe we should define those two. So the road categories, USA Cycling has Cat 5, which is entry-level beginner, to Cat 1. And then they have Continental Pro. And then they also have World Tour Pro. And World Tour Pro is the Tour de France guys you see on TV. Like so those Ken. guys are the best that's of like, the best. That's like, that's like the Badger. Just like Ken the Badger. Just exactly pretty right. much. Yeah, when I was younger, five years ago. So... Yep. <laughs> One thing that I found interesting is the disparity between the different categories and how how much training volume they're putting in. You uh, so um, what Shane does every week for our audience is he puts up some notes and some case studies, and we get to look through it and you know try to you know pick out as uh, is decipher as much of it as we can. And I was just amazed, you know, these Cat One Two guys are training. Uh, what are we seeing? 14 to 20 hours a week, annual uh, training stress of, of, of a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> does, it, does, anyone yeah. Else, does anyone else hope that those guys just like have no friends? When I hear that people ride that much, I'm like, I just want there to be one thing wrong with them. You know, they can't, they can't be great people. <laughs> they can't be great dads and they can't be freaks on a bike. They need to at least be like the guy who doesn't mow his lawn or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got to yeah. be, he's got to be something. Maybe well, it smells bad. Yeah. Well, this podcast isn't for them. <laughs> yeah. I would probably argue they're probably not dads to young kids. That's true. If you're an A plus writer, please stop listening right now. <laughs> I do work with one A plus writer and not with a kid, but he's also a, he's a genetic superstar and he's got okay. a huge volume of training in his history. So he can get away with. Okay, well, he eight can to twelve keep, hours a week. He can keep listening, but yeah, but yeah, most of those guys or gals are typically, you know, kidless or older kids, and they have time to actually train those hours. So, you know, sure. if we kind of run through the hours quickly, so a, a cat five, which is an entry level, you're talking three to eight hours per week on average. A cat four is six to ten. Cat three nine to fourteen. And then as Ken was saying, cat one slash two is 14 to 20. And then typically what I've seen is Continental Pro is 25 and the World Tour is 25 to 35 per week, give or take. So, you know, as you need to increase your fitness, you have to increase your training density like we've talked about a couple of times now on this podcast. So the easy way to do that is just by making more time to train. So that's why you usually see that disparity between the, the categories. Sure. And I guess uh, the thing that amazes me is that you could even ride a bike and absorb any, any more training at 25, 30 hours a week or more. For sure. Yeah. Like what is going on? What is the nuancey stuff going on with the body at that point that is, is even yielding any sort of benefit from riding that much? Yeah. And that's kind of when you get into nature versus nurture argument. Okay. So a lot of those, those world tour guys are, you know, genetically designed to ride a bike mm -hmm. where you, the average person wouldn't be able to a tolerate and absorb that much training stress and B their 
response to that training wouldn't be nearly as good. So, you know, which we can get to later in the podcast. So we have some research on this too, but trainability is a big thing where if you give 10 athletes the same program, you'll get one athlete that responds, you know, ridiculously well, one athlete that responds not at all. And you'll get six or eight that responds in somewhere in that bell curve, even though they're all doing the same amount of training and the same training stress. So, so you have to have you, a good connect to that. Where would you, if you were saying like, we're taking cat five through, you know, pro, where would you say the line per, this is going to be purely subjective, I'm sure. Where do you think the average line, if you're compare that to Zwift categories, clearly, you know, the upper, you know, one, two pro, all those guys are going to be a plus, but like, in your opinion, where right. do you think like B lands? Is that cat four? You think? I think that's cat four and kind of bottom three. And then A is, you know, like you were saying, one, two. And then C, D is typically, you know, four or five. Sure. That's what I would say. Sure. So let's, let's, let's like come up with a case study here. So you are, let's say a guy's C category and he's been doing pretty mm -hmm. well, been winning some races, feeling good. And then he gets online and goes, oh, surprise, I'm now looking at Zwift Power and I've been bumped to B. And now he's in the B races, getting up early racing those and he's just dogged what mm -hmm. what what do you say here what well, he's like well how do i how do i get back to the top of the heat lose some weight so first thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah Start that might help yeah <laughs> lose some weight but to a point because zwift tends to penalize people that are lightweight at least in my experience where because yeah. most of zwift races are relatively flat so you want to have semi weight behind you so you can keep the momentum going so like for me like i'm only 142 pounds so if i do volcano flat i have to put out you know four watts per kilo plus to stay with a guy that's putting out 3.2 watts per kilo that's you know 60 pounds heavier than i am you only weigh 142 so, pounds i do yeah you're like a so for our little that's very for, cute for our international audience what's that in kilos <sighs> 64 kilos wow. i think Ken, how much how much do you weigh? What's your what's your kilo? Um, yeah, sixty four point four. Just a just a a few tenths below seventy kilos right now. So um, one fifty four, one fifty five, and Jeez. I'm I'm I'm, like ca a... I'm carrying a little extra weight right now. I'm I'm trying to get back to that race weight, which is closer to one fifty. Well, I am the Clydesdale of this group, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> how much do you weigh? I'm like I'm like a buck sixty, buck sixty five. That's not bad. That's not bad. I like to, I like to think I'm more powerful than both of you, though. So yeah, no, you I, probably smoke <laughs> us in a flat race, you know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That's so a weird, that's a weird conversation. Just a bunch of men talking about how much they weigh. Well, that's very it's very appropriate for cycling, though. That's very appropriate. More okay, so, yeah. Anyways, so, so what do we do here? I'm 160 pounds. I just got yep. I just got into B, and everything's terrible. Yep. Losing so, weight's losing weight's not really an option. Yeah, losing weight's okay, but it's not really. It's, it depends if you have weight to lose. Honestly, um, the most important part is what we've already spoken about is just don't let the psychology of losing races get to you because you know you're at a new category, you're at a new kind of level of fitness. So that's probably number one. Don't let don't beat yourself up about it if you're getting dropped consistently. And then number two is as you get. As you get more fit, as you get to kind of like as the cream continues to rise, people will typically specialize in 
either role for a team or what events they compete in. So that's why you have domestiques, you have, you know, you have rollers, puncher, you have the GC guy, you have the climbers, the sprinters, you have those guys that train for their ability. And that's really what they specialize in. So as you get closer to B and A, you may want to start to target and actually train your strengths and actually race the races that will adhere to those strengths best, as opposed to being 160 pounds and doing Alp de Zwift, you're probably not going to do very well there, but you may do really well at Volcano Circuit or something like that. I'd like to tell, I'd like to tell the world that when we, I got married to my wife, I weighed 145 pounds and she made a comment that I was scrawny. So I started doing CrossFit for like four years mm. just to gain weight. So I feel less scrawny, but I'm a little slower on a bike. Yeah. Well, you could throw your bike a lot farther than you used to. Yeah, that's true. When I get mad, <laughs> perfect. I just crush my bike in half. <laughs> so, Shane, one thing I'm looking at here is I'm looking at the these volume guidelines for cyclists, and I think that there's probably some wisdom that can be gained from this. You probably got up to a, a, a category C by riding, you know, your three to eight hours a week, and now you're tickling at the bottom of a cat B, and you're frustrated. Well. One thing that I that I did, you know, when I first did my first couple of mountain bike races and I just got hammered by these guys is I, I peeked at all of their Strava profiles and I was like, huh, every single person that beat me rides a bike more than I do. Yep. And so, I mean, yeah, so I think that, you know, the, the specialization is, is certainly one piece of it, but also getting right sized with, you know, um, with how much training volume you're doing. I feel that it's realistic if if this is important to you and it's a hobby that you you find worth pursuing. Um, I feel that the average parent can find six to ten hours a week if they're dedicated, if they're willing to turn Netflix off and get into bed a little bit early uh, to set the alarm a little bit earlier, um, and just to make you know make training a, a priority. And you can do that without taking away from the other important things in your life. But there's there's almost always sort of slack and fluff in everybody's lifestyle that they can they can get rid of to find something more meaningful. And that's the thing too is you know this podcast is geared towards parents that tend to be time crunched. So you may it may just not be in the cards right now for you to actually train that nine to fourteen hours per week, which is okay. You may have to sure. just deal with being at that category for a little bit longer or just, you know, maybe expect the, the gains and the changes to happen a little bit slower, not sure. as rapid as they did when you first started training, which is, I think, true for everybody. The, the more fit you get, the slower the changes become and the more you have to work for those changes. Gotcha. So we sort of talked about the volume piece here from going from category um from say a category C to a category B. Well, what about the, um, the intensity factor? Mm -hmm. And do you mean the training stress? Right. So in other words, like, so maybe if you, you take a good look, you're like, okay, you know, I've, I, I, I've, I've been a, a cat C and I'm already riding eight hours a week. Now I need to take a look at what I'm doing within those eight hours and seeing, you know, how can I make that eight hours more fruitful? So, yeah, intensity factors, one way you can generate more TSS per hour. Um, but like we've talked about, I think the first episode, 
where if you're just grinding yourself down day in and day out, that's not really good for longevity in training and also in the sport where you tend to see more burnout that way. So typically I'll see like once athletes get to a 0.85 to 0.87 IF average for the week, that's basically all the intensity that they can tolerate. Very few can tolerate a 0.9, a 0.92 IF average for eight hours per week. Because that's basically hmm. doing VO2 max intervals every time you get on the bike, which are horrible. So it takes a very <laughs> special person to do that. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the only way, that's the only way I ride. Just get out of my yeah, house. I, I, I just figured. sprint as hard as I can until I pass out. <laughs> that's all I do. So, you know, intensity is one way to do it, but it's not, it's okay to do it, but it's not going to be for, it's not going to be able to, that's going to be able to maintain for a while because you're just going to get burnt out because view to max intervals are horrible. That's why people do them usually once a week, not five days a week. Gotcha. So, you know, the true best way to do it is by increasing volume. So we, we've talked a, a quite a bit about training stress and we've defined it or TSS and we've defined it as your training stress score, but you actually broke it down further in your notes for this week's podcast and explained exactly what that is relative to FTP. And I, I never knew this. So if you want to tell our audience about, um, just exactly what it is, um, I think that'd yep. be, it, it was definitely illuminating for me to read it. Sure. So TSS is an important metric to understand if you are looking to get a little more serious and train with power, especially. So TSS, like Ken said, is training stress score. Uh, it was developed by Andy Coggin and Hunter Allen. You probably probably all know Hunter Allen from Peaks Coaching Group. He's kind of a, a celebrity type coach. And Andy Coggin, you may not know. If you don't know him, he's a great Google um, he's done a lot of the kind of groundwork and the science behind the cycling. So he's a great Google. Uh, anyways, but TSS is a way to, for athletes to objectively quantify their workouts. So you do this based on intensity, duration, and also frequency. So if you were to ride hundred percent FTP for 60 minutes, that would be a hundred TSS for that hour. And you can also think of it as rate of perceived exertion or RPE, where if you exercise at level five for a couple hours, you would accumulate 50 TSS per hour or about 100 TSS in total. Gotcha. So simply put, the, the 100 TSS is one hour at FTP. Um, yeah. Exactly. 100% FTP. <laughs> Good luck with that, right? Huh. Um, it's, it's much easier to do a 90-minute or two-hour-long workout and try to accumulate that same training stress. I don't know anybody that could that can really hold their FTP for an hour. And we sort of spoke about that earlier. Like You're like, wait a minute, functional yeah. threshold power, you should be able to do that for an hour, but that's not exactly how it works. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So the true definition is uh, FTP is your maximum power you can maintain in a semi-quasi steady state for approximately one hour. That's the true definition. So the other thing is time to exhaustion or TTE. So that's how long you can truly hold your FTP for. So you can do that through WKO with the models, say, or you can see what your FTP is and then see how long you can hold it for. And that's truly what your TTE is at FTP. Some, some athletes are 30 minutes, some athletes are 45 minutes. And like you said, very few athletes are over an hour. 
That's crazy. That just makes me want to just remembering doing FTP tests is, is the worst thing in the world. So coach Shane, how, how do you test your athletes? Cause you know, I think I've seen you basically say that there are shortcomings with, um, doing a, a ramp test and a 20 minute power test, like the 20 minute power test, it's hard to pace it. Um, with a ramp test, it may benefit certain physiologies more than others. Um, so how do you, how do you run somebody through? So say for instance, I call you up, I'm like, Shane, let's do it. I'm going to sign up for your, you know, to have you for the next three months. What's day one look like? So day one will be typically an FTP test if you haven't done one in a while. So I like to test one minute, five minute and 20 minute power all in the same session. So the one minute power gives me an idea of what the athlete's anaerobic capacity is or their FRC, which is their functional reserve capacity. The Hmm. five minute power gives me an idea of what their VO2 max is. And then the 20 minute power is at the end on purpose because I'm trying to reduce their anaerobic contribution to FTP, which is what I spoke about in my articles about Mm -hmm. ramp testing and things like that. So you're trying to almost pre-exhaust the athlete a little bit. That way, their FTP test is being generated aerobically as much as possible. So reducing anaerobic capacity or sorry, reducing anaerobic contribution during FTP test is crucial. And so that's similar to I think I've seen that the Sufferfest does something along those lines. Very similar. Gotcha. So with that, with that data, so you've got the one minute, the five minute and the 20 minute power test, like how do you determine the FTP from there? So I plug that into WKO and then WKO plugs me a modeled FTP. Okay. And then I judge that against other charts and other models in there. And then if that looks all good, it all jives, then that's what the athletes modeled FTP is. Um, and like I said, WKO also gives me what their TTE is or the time to exhaustion. So I'll know approximately how long they can hold their FTP for. So, so if, I think the question is going to be, if the athlete doesn't have access to the WKO, what would they do? Gotcha. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. So if they don't have access to WKO, then you want to do a either longer duration FTP tests. So that was my next thing is if I have athletes that are doing Ironman or doing really aerobically based stuff, I won't test one minute power because I don't really care too much about the FRC. And if anything, I'm trying to reduce their FRC because I'm trying to upregulate their aerobic capacity. So I'll do five minute and then I'll do a 30 or even 40 minute long FTP test. And then vice versa for the track athletes. I don't really care too much about what their FTP is. I care about what their, you know, pursuit is or their sprint is or whatever. So I'll do like a 15 second test. I'll do a 30 second test. I'll do more testing in the short ranges to build a power duration curve better. So the testing has to kind of meet the demands of the athlete, but most athletes can get away with one minute, five minute and 20 minute tests. Um, if athlete doesn't have access to WKO, then make sure you're doing a hard effort before you do the FTP tests. I think Zwift has a three minutes effort at like 115% FTP before the FTP tests. And that effort is there to basically decrease the anaerobic contribution you have to the FTP test. Interesting. I've always wondered that because like the first time I did one of those, I just looked at the profile and was just like saying bad words to myself. I'm about to do this 20 minute effort, but that actually it's trying to give you a more honest 20 minute effort. Exactly. Yep. And that's why. So 
your FTP is comprised of anaerobic and aerobic energy sources. So you might have at one minute, you, you might have, you know, 80% anaerobic and 20% aerobic. And then as it goes out, you're going to get less and less anaerobic contribution and more and more aerobic contribution. So the key with FTP test is making it as aerobic as possible. So that's why you do that initial effort that is quite challenging because you're trying to fatigue that anaerobic system. So you want to start the effort slightly tired, but that's good because that means you're going to get a more accurate FTP test. Well, that's what we're here for is accuracy. Right. And in some ways, do you, do you think that in the cycling world that we're, it seems to me that we're falling short by not spending more time talking about time to exhaustion? Yeah. I mean, depends on the goal. If the goal is to do time trialing, then, you know, TTE is really important. But if your goal is to, you know, increase your 20 minute power, then that's totally fine. Some athletes goal is just to make their FTP higher. And, you know, what's wrong with just basing FTP off of just a 20 minute number. So that's kind of where you get into the argument of, you know, how serious do you want to get into this whole ecosystem? Like how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? You can go really far down the rabbit hole or not. Really what you're doing is based on the athlete's profile, like uh, priorities. You're saying, let's come up with a standard exactly. unit of measure use that and judge everything against that. And if you're just trying to get stronger on Zwift with FTP, it's okay to listen to everything you say, say, hey, that's really interesting, put it on a shelf and go take a 20 minute FTP test and just use that as your comparative. Yeah, and so that's, I mean, I'm thinking about our audience and what people are talking. You know, if, if I'm saying I'm going from C to B and my FTPs, I don't, I don't know, my FTPs, you know, 300 or whatever. I have no idea what my FTP is right now. Um, you're saying, well, hey, like as long as you know that's your standard and you're seeing that go up appropriately, then it's fine to use that, even though that's not super accurate if you're a professional. But for us dads, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not going to train my pros the same way I train my cat fives. That would be kind of foolish. So, you know, different strokes for different folks. And I try to mold myself to the needs of the athlete, not the other way around. So, you know, I try to treat everybody as individual as I can. Because, you know, if I gave a Cat 5 a 45-minute FTP <laughs> test, it would not work for me very long. <laughs> and it also wouldn't be worth it because it would be just way too much, you know, you can get away with a much fun way to test it, which is 1-minute, 5-minute, and 20-minute power. Right. And that's the whole point of having an individual coach is because they, they, they drill down exactly on what you need rather than the sort of commodity style uh, downloading a training program online or or which works well for some, but, um, and not well for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it works well for the majority of the, of the population. Sure. And then you can just, you know, critique it or tweak it if you need to see it, if you need to something different. Skip or skip the, skip the hard workouts is what I just heard you say. Yeah. Or skip the hard workouts, right. <laughs> so Shane, when you work with the pros, are they mainly, I mean, do a lot of these folks have day jobs or just jobs that have a lot of flexibility or they're getting paid just to ride bikes or do triathlons? Uh, a little bit of each. So some are getting paid just to ride a bike. Some are getting paid to ride bikes and also work and some have very flexible jobs. So a little bit of each. Right. Like, so I know a lot of really fast competitive runners that they might be considered pro. I'm not sure, but they work in running shops and stuff like that, or they work as running coaches. And, uh, and that seems to be, they, they're still, they're always in that ecosystem. They have something to do 
uh, with the fitness industry um, that keeps them close to the ability to train. The more ingrained and down the rabbit hole you go, typically the more you kind of, you know, absorb the culture and you kind of just become totally enthralled with it. Um, kind of like Zwift, you know, people get obsessed with Zwift and they become enthralled by it. So the same thing with the IRL guys too, I guess, you know? Sure. But yeah, I mean, typically the the athletes that are getting paid to do their sport are technically professional, you know, and the level of money you get paid to do it is, I guess, different. But technically, if, if you're getting paid to do it, then you're a pro, you know? Right. Right. I guess for, for all of us that read Cycling on $10 a Day by Phil Guyman, um, just a, the pr- brutality of working from the college ranks all the way up to the pro ranks and uh, that he was at one point making a few hundred dollars a month. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how he was feeding himself, but it's just insanity. <laughs> you got free bikes and kit, which would be amazing, but uh, definitely not enough to live on. No, that's not a th- it's not a sport you want to make your, you know, millions off of unless you're, you know, the top 1% of the world tour guys. Otherwise, you're not getting paid much money. But, you know, my one of my favorite sayings ever is it never gets easier. You just go faster. So, it's true. I mean, it never gets easier with each category upgrade or each workout or each FTP bump. It never gets easier. You just go faster. So, it's the same amount of work, if not more work. That's a good. Uh, that's a good life motto also. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I believe who, who that that was uh, Greg Lamond, if I'm if I'm remembering. Yep. Well, thank you for um, all your your feedback and research on the, on that stuff, and I think that it really you seeing how it plays out. Um, and I've seen folks that have become masterful in staying just within their category. So there's definitely some tricks around that. Um, and the the <laughs> the main thing that I can tell you is stay in the pack. <laughs> And if you want, if you want to win without busting category, then learn how to sprint or just continue to change your weight and never get high enough where they have to actually test your weight in person, (laughs) which I have for sure seen some people whose weight, you look at like their, their weight listings with power. You're like, how did that change so quickly? You're seeing it go up and down just a little bit. I think that, I think we've all probably seen that on there. A little shady, a little dirty, dirty lifting. Yeah, for sure. My favorite recent one is the height thing. Do you see that? Uh-uh. People were adjusting their heights. Really? So tell me about how height plays into the algorithm. I was talking about this earlier, uh, but it makes a big difference in your drafting, doesn't it? Huge or difference. Your aerodynamics? Huge difference. Yeah. The, the, the shorter you are, the more aerodynamic you get on Zwift and then vice versa. The, tall, the taller you are, the more drag you experience. So people were, instead of changing their weight because weight has been tracked on Zwift power for a long time. They would just change their height and get away with it scot-free. So people would be like two feet shorter for some races than they were for other races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big, yeah, that's a, a, a big difference. So it looks like a bunch of five foot yeah. tall bodybuilders that are all 160 pounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that is yeah. one advantage. But now that's all being tracked on Zwift power. <laughs> right, I am right. short. I might, I might not be as light as you guys, but I am short and compact. <laughs> well, there you go. You've got the draft advantage. I love it. That's good. So summarizing, uh, you know, if we're, if I went from C to B, not going to get any easier. I'm just going to have to keep working harder, take my time, be patient. If I don't have more hours. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And then ideally, you know, increase your hours first and before you increase intensity, because 
Intensity is a little bit of a fickle beast where you can do it, but you can't do it for a long time. And, you know, it stinks doing VO2 max workouts every day of the week or races every day of the week. So right try to increase volume first if you can gotcha and i think uh you know for a lot of folks out there um and i think racing all the time you're just getting the same stimulus over and over again and eventually you're just not gonna make those improvements so like for me when i took a step back from racing three days a week to doing three training workouts a week i started to see big improvements in my fitness for sure yep yep and that's where sweet spot comes in, which is my favorite thing for time crunch guys. Yeah, yeah, and that's and gals. that's mainly what I do: sweet spots and over under, and that's about it. I love it. Yeah, so I will um, sh- link all those articles and pretty charts and stuff to the show notes like I did last week. Great. If anybody's curious and wants to learn more about it, sounds good. Does this, uh, does this put us into the dad story, Ken? All right. So this is the Never Going Pro podcast. And we are interviewing one of our Team Dirt members, and his name is Graham Partain. He lives in Florida. Uh, so Graham and I met on Zwift, and we've done a lot of racing together. We've, we've become pretty good friends. And one thing, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to Graham is because we've talked a lot about balancing work and fitness, family, business. Graham has his own business and uh, oftentimes keeps regular hours has some travel involved too and so um we're gonna we're gonna uh get graham to join us and tell us a little bit about himself so graham hello where are you joining us from today hey yeah in my office at home uh in gainesville florida fantastic so i hear you got the day off today well i'm sort of running into vacation we're getting ready to leave for a trip to head up to atlanta to go to the uh, atlanta aquarium and then uh, great wolf lodge so Awesome. Preparing. Yeah. So basically Great Wolf Lodge is a giant indoor water park and hotel, right? Yeah, it is one heck of a workout too. Yeah, I think I remember after you you said you felt like you had done a triathlon the last time you went. Yeah, you gotta run up and down stairs all day and there's really not any lines, so there's no break. And the kids are so excited. (laughs) They they don't slow down. I don't I don't know where they get their fitness from, but they challenged me. Sure. Well, so how old are they? Uh, my girls are nine and 11. Nine and 11, man. I'll bet they are wide open. Oh, it's such a fun age. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, so I guess some of my questions for you are, um, so how did you get into riding Zwift and, and what does it add to your lifestyle? Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, <laughs> I've always been into the gaming stuff a little bit. I mean, I'm growing up. Um, and I always thought it was interesting. And so I remember seeing on Strava some guys I know looked like they were riding in the middle of the ocean somewhere in this island. And I was trying to figure out what's going on and where are they? And this is when Strava, I mean, uh, Zwift was still really new um, and was still in beta. And so I got in touch with one of the guys and he started telling me about it. I was like, man, I got to try that. So I had a dumb trainer with a power tab wheel set up this funky rig in my garage and started doing it. <laughs> and and I just, it just fit. And I was at a time in my life, you know, this was probably five years ago when I was trying to figure out how to stay fit, how to get rides in, you know, how to work and be a dad. And, and it was just like this awesome thing. I just started having fun with it and been there ever since. Yeah. And I think I feel part of the same thing. Like part of my story was I was, um, 
uh, I was always a gym rat. I did a lot of CrossFit and after an elbow injury, it just left me. So I couldn't go to the gym. The summertime wasn't a problem. I'd ride my mountain bike before work. And then after that happened and, uh, it started getting dark and cold outside here in North Carolina. Uh, I was just yeah. really struggling, looking for something to do. And, and that's when, uh, I got, I got set up on Zwift. Um, but for me, it's a lot of it has been about, you know, like sort of meeting this group of people. Most of them men, obviously, were dads and side riding trainers. And it became this huge and unexpected support network for guys that are really going through a lot of stuff, whether it's, you know, changing jobs, newborn kids, going through a divorce. I mean, we see a lot of it. Oh, for sure. And that was part of it for me. I mean, I'm. I'm on my second marriage and my first marriage, you know, ended a lot. I would say, fuck is my selfish attitude about my fitness. I mean, I was doing Ironmans and training like crazy and, you know, there's a lot that went into it, but it was a, it was a big blow going through that. And I realized now in this, this opportunity, you know, I've been my, with my wife now 12 years, but five or six years ago, I was kind of running into the same problems. And I realized like, you know, if I go down that path again, you know, I cannot uh, imagine going through that with, with my girls and, and being responsible, you know, maybe with my selfish attitude, which I tend to have. And so this, you know, I went, I was not only going through, um, sort of folk refocusing on my marriage, but I was, you know, spiritually trying to refocus myself in a way where I could be a better dad. And this just kind of all fell into line. And it was interesting when I ran into Sterney, you know, riding around on Zwift, like, Hey man, join our team, bunch of dads riding, riding bikes. And and all of a sudden, this community came around me that we're, we're all trying to do the same thing. Um, we're imperfect people <laughs> trying to stay fit, you know, because we do want to stay fit. It's great. Uh, and we want to ride our bikes. But we also, man, being a dad is like hugest privilege uh, in a lot of work. And I, I found this community that they're doing it with me. And I got all kinds of cool support and met great people, met you. Um, and it just grew from there. I immediately became attracted to the group. And and that really, um, I think, has been a story I've heard over and over again. It, it, it's funny to me when you say um, you were selfish in any way, because I've never seen that side. I mean, you've always been willing to put it all on the line for the sake of the team and um, have always sort of been in that helper role in a lot of ways. Even though you've got the engine, you could definitely win some of these B races. Uh, you're often taking, taking one for the team. And, and I think that that is a really... Uh, Cool thing, even if it's just a video game, it's fun to have that opportunity. <laughs> you gotta forget it's a video game. Sometimes. Yeah, right. I know. It's it just... is. It is. We get so serious. We're on our headsets. My wife comes out of the garage and talking to each other, and it sounds really weird from her side of it. But it's really great, you know. And it's a lot of fun. And and I and it's definitely made me stronger on the bike. Uh, I mean, it's no doubt. Like my, it's up to my fitness level because we're burying ourselves, you know, for each other, <laughs> trying to win races, uh, you know, in this awesome game. So it is true. So I have a couple questions for you. So what is your next big fitness endeavor? I hear you're doing some running. Yeah, some, there's some guys that are runners. Um, it was funny when they Discord, they started a running channel on our Discord channel. I was like, oh, this is a horrible idea. Nobody's going to be okay with that. And all of a sudden, you know, we already had a, uh, an opportunity to start conversing about um the the running side of our fitness and i've always wanted to run a sub 25k and i came like three seconds close to it 15 years ago oh. and i was like you know what i want to i want to do this and i started talking with uh, a couple of the guys and one of the guys a running coach and i started like i really want to try to do this I've, I've actually lost some weight thanks to your help and 
your some of your advice on nutrition down like 15 pounds wow like you know this is an opportunity to to really go for it um and so i've been um my goal is this this winter to run a sub 25k i just i just got done with some intervals this morning it's hard yeah well if you stick with it you certainly have the aerobic base from all your swift training um <laughs> let's hope yeah so well graham best of luck with your 5k and um Thanks for jumping on with us today, and we will see you in Watopia. And uh, I look forward to it. Thanks, Patrick. All right, thanks, Graham. Thank you again, Shane and Chris, for joining us tonight, Shane. And I uh, really appreciate all the research that you, you do for these articles. And also, again, thank you for uh, Dirt Dad, uh, Graham Partain, for sharing a little bit about what his experience is life is uh training indoors i also want to give a shout out to um uh, a gentleman named david who is on our team he put a lot of work into getting our uh dirt in real life kits put together we now have a, a pactimo store i think i'm pronouncing that name right uh, anyway you can go to you can go to indoorspecialist.com slash store and uh, pick out all kinds of variety of different uh, branded clothing with our dirt team name on it. Anything from arm warmers to uh, nice cycling bib shorts and, and jerseys. So give that, uh, check that out. Um, we need to get an order in by August the 5th. So a little bit of urgency there, check it out. I think you'll like what we have to do. Uh, thank you everybody again for tuning in to the Never Going Pro podcast. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. See you in Watopia.